0: I'm so glad you're with us here on The Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning how to stretch every dollar you've got. And want to remind you that because of the delay in the tax filing deadline, if you have the funds and you have not funded a Roth IRA for last year, think about it, we're in summer 2020, you can still fund... By Wednesday, a Roth IRA for 2019, up to $6,000, unless you're over age 50, $7,000. On my investment guide at clark.com, I've got what I'd put that money in, which companies are the low cost ones that you could use. Now, the economy saying, you know, if you have the money, the economy has been on obviously a roller coaster ride and after we did the full scary ride down in the spring things started to look better in the month of june but july is turning out to be a cruel month health-wise and financially for the country small businesses that have been beaten up beyond imagination by the economic consequences of coronavirus small business owners were starting to feel more confident last month and people were starting to go back out and things were reopening and people had felt kind of trapped by, particularly in states that had tight lockdowns through the spring. You know, when June rolled along, they were like, Hey, let's get out and do things. And July 4th was big around the country. And now, unfortunately, with the infection rates skyrocketing in a lot of states, the, uh, unfortunately, the death rates going up appreciably again in the United States, more and more places are starting to shut down activities. And you have two parts to this. One is by state or local mandates, like has just happened in California where there are new tight restrictions a lot of facilities are closed my daughter who lives in California was just laid off from her job yesterday and so places are being ordered to close or restrict activity and obviously that has an immediate impact on the economy that's one part of it the other part of it is what you and I do individually and as people get worried about what's going on around them not as much what happens in another state or across the country or whatever what was going on right around them people reduce their activity so it kind of can feed on itself and there's a new report out that shows in the last week there's been a turn now this is not the federal data because that's a lagging indicator but there's new private data that shows that employment and hours worked is starting to reverse again and people are starting to see themselves scheduled for fewer hours and people work in service kind of businesses and people are starting to experience potentially more layoffs and so this is going to be a very rough ride you know economists use generally pointy Uh, headed terms but one that's been actually very popular with economists is one we can all understand the economy is going to remain choppy as long as we don't have coronavirus under control and you have to think of this as phases and the economy cannot truly stay healthy as long as a large percent of the population says, you know what, I don't feel safe. So it requires having a variety of treatments that people trust, and it requires also that we develop a vaccine that people accept and are widely willing to take. You know, if we come up with what looks to be an effective vaccine, and a lot of people won't take that vaccine, then the effectiveness of it on the overall population declines as well. So we've got something that no matter what we do or no matter what we don't do, eventually a pandemic ends. It's what happens in between and how severe it is. that's really more up to us. But as far as where we're headed with the economy, it looks like We're not going back to the very rough, rough picture of, let's say, March and April, part of May, but it also looks like June was a better picture than we're going to have the rest of July and moving into August. So this is something that I have shared with you before, how important it is that you get your own financial house in order and reduce debt. In your own life as much as you can because there's so many question marks about what we face moving forward and I know there's a lot of anxiety produced by this there's a lot of stress a lot of uncertainty and fear but I want you to know that as tough as all this is from a medical standpoint and economic we will get through it and we will ultimately be okay and it's time for your questions that you posted for me at clark.com slash ask producers kim and joel alternating asking your questions for you and kim who do you have a question from
1: all right this is from ray in georgia sorry but starting on a little bit of a downer note ray says that his wife received confirmation of eligibility for unemployment of 650 a week back in march We have yet to receive a single payment. We have tried every form of correspondence. She calls unemployment almost every day and has left dozens of messages. No one ever calls back. I have no idea what to recommend that she does next.
0: So that is a terrible, terrible story. And there was a published report just yesterday that talked about how many millions of people around the country have been in a similar situation that filed for unemployment in March or April and still haven't seen in July the first penny of unemployment compensation and this is something that caught states uh, unprepared and some states even in worse shape than others and this is a terrible, terrible thing that's going to require the help of the political process. Find out who your state legislator is or state senator and contact his or her office and ask for assistance. And if they put in an inquiry with your state Department of Labor or unemployment office, odds are that will help get somebody to respond and maybe get that money flowing for you. And what a terrible financial burden! on the millions of people who, you know, our law calls for people receiving unemployment when they lose their jobs, special provisions concerning coronavirus, and to wait these many months, and we're talking four months, without a penny, is brutal and wrong. Joel? Joel?
2: Clark Ed in Texas says, I've been shopping for a refrigerator recently, and I noticed that many models are either out of stock or have long delivery times, greater than three weeks in most cases. So is is this the same uh, for the same reason you mentioned for vehicles, supply chain issues due to COVID?
0: Yes. Uh, One thing we don't talk about a lot, refrigerators, appliances, a lot of them are manufactured overseas, and we've had big disruptions with supply chain and even with Uh, refrigerators and other appliances made in the United States a lot of the components are made overseas and if there's supply chain disruption with those parts being manufactured that messes up the whole final assembly of an appliance now there was a special issue involving freezers and that logjam has started to lessen a little that people early in the pandemic were buying freezers in numbers that were unprecedented expecting they were going to have to buy food and maybe not have supplies of food available for lengthy periods of time and obviously the food supply chain has continued to function um, after there have been some spot shortages generally things are good on that front and the problem with Refrigerator availability is one that is not a disaster in that there are delays or out of stocks on a number of models, but others are still available. And then others, as you mentioned, could have a relatively short delay of a few weeks. Now, if you have no re- working refrigerator and you have to replace it immediately, that's going to require that you substitute for a particular refrigerator you might not have wanted in order to get one quicker. Kim?
1: Kevin in Florida says, our youngest is planning on leaving his apartment to enter into a living arrangement with a friend who's building a house. His friend is offering to receive our son and another friend as renters. I know how awkward it can be to bring legalities into casual relationships, but the father in me is encouraging my son to formalize their arrangement into a contract. Do you agree? And if so, what form of contract do you recommend?
0: So his son will not be an owner of this property, only be renting, rooming with the friend, correct? Correct. In that case, I would say that you can allow the arrangement to be fairly informal. Your son has better protection if it remains informal. The person buying the property is the one making the mistake by not making it more formal this way your son becomes what's known as tenant at will and is able to stay in the property at the agreed rent for as long as they're both happy with it and then your son has the freedom to be able to leave on relatively short notice depending on the state usually that would be on tenant at will 30 days notice most often and the one risk your son faces is the rent could rise at any time with typically in most states about a 60-day notice but it's better to take that risk than to be in a formal uh handcuff of a traditional contract for a lease so i like the arrangement he's in because who knows how they'll actually like rooming together hi carol hi How are you? Good. It's so great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show. And Carol, uh, you have something you do out of the goodness of your heart for your neighborhood. And you Um, want to run by me some scenarios and situations you face and how best to handle it.
3: Okay. So the scenario is that we live on a private dirt road. And we share the expenses of maintaining the road because the town we live in, they don't take care of it. And that's, that's fine. Um, there are 11 households, including us, on the road. And so when we moved up here, um, I was appointed to collect the checks, deposit them so they would clear and pay the few bills that are associated with the road maintenance. So that would be grading the road and the snow plowing so Um, you were either very
0: nice or very gullible how did they get you to agree to be the tax collector
3: well what happened was is um because of the private dirt road we were the last ones to move in and um they had been going back and forth on ways to do the road so one time they would do it every five years and sometimes they do it every year and so we finally got together and we met at our house and we were the new kids on the block and somebody said uh carol you're gonna collect the money and being the new kid i just said okay i'll do it so um i've been doing it ever since
0: (laughs) so what do you do if one of the 11 neighbors just says hey i'm not gonna pay
3: Well, um, we are very, very fortunate that we do not have that situation. Oh, good. Um, Everybody on the road pays, and um, I know in talking with other people that have the same situation they do, but we are fortunate we don't have that.
0: Great. Well, how can I be of service? Because it sounds like you walked into what could have been a major headache, but hasn't been at all.
3: Yeah, um, I just have a question because it's um, basically we don't have an official association and, again, I've been doing it for a while, but I had something come up this this year and I, I'm hoping you can give me some guidance. Um, one of the individuals on the road would like to transfer money into the road account versus writing a check. And I believe the reason this person wants to do it is because this person's account is in the same credit union where the road account is. And I I sort of looked at it, and I can see both ways. I'm very uncomfortable with giving the person the account number, and I think primarily because my name and my name alone is on the account so could you give some guidance um in terms of what do what do i i, I don't know what questions i need to ask so
4: right could so you let me, me give let me
0: give an alternative way and i don't know if this would satisfy that individual but if you set up a venmo account or a paypal account and the money would go to that account and then you might have other people who would like to pay that way as well instead of you having to run around to collect checks then the money would just uh, be paid by them into the account, and then you would just transfer it into the account at the credit union.
3: Okay.
0: It's uh, you ever used PayPal or Venmo?
3: I have used PayPal, and we've listened to. So I've heard you mention the other one. Um, and so I've if you're if you're comfortable
0: somebody- if you're comfortable and you've historically used PayPal, that would be really the easiest way I know. And then the individual doesn't have to write checks if they don't like writing checks. Okay. That that sounds like a great idea. Thank you. Sometimes people won't, uh, like I never write checks anymore. I don't even know where we have a checkbook. And so um, being able to pay electronically using something like PayPal would be certainly a very easy way to get it done. I hope being the tax collector remains a very easy, pleasant task for you. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. And I keep thinking about the questions I get from people that are so tentative about taking a honeymoon trip looking at next year or doing a trip to the Caribbean or going to Europe or just going across the country and how the way people ask me the questions are totally different than I've experienced at any time in 33 years on the air except somewhat similar to the year following the September 11th terrorist attacks a generation ago and so people are like what do we do do we book do we not book how do we decide and this has been just absolutely a financial disaster for a significant part of our economy and that's the travel and tourism industry hotels car rentals airlines uh, the nation's what was the nation's largest airline Delta posted a loss for 90 days of almost six billion dollars and is losing cash flow 27 million dollars a day and they're doing better than many of the other airlines in the United States that are really struggling. There are going to be big waves of layoffs over the next few months. The airlines are under A prohibition of doing layoffs till basically the end of summer and now airlines are starting to announce how many people they're going to lay off and that gets a lot of publicity what does not get a lot of coverage is what's happened in the hotel industry and other parts of travel and entertainment where the layoff numbers have been quite large and looks like it's going to stay tough for a while in the travel business because when you think about people's fear of being with crowds it's going to be hard to get people to get in an airplane I was supposed to fly to California from the east coast to see our middle child and I'd already bought my ticket booked my hotel my car rental And there was a revolt in my family that they were like, you can't do that. You can't do it. And I'm like, well, you know, I'll wear a mask. I'll wear a shield. I'll take my hand sanitizer. I'll wash my hands all the time, blah, blah, blah. Nope. It was like an immovable object in my family that said I was not going. And so the result of it is that we're going to have Uh, significant layoffs United has announced that they're going to lay off looks like half of all their employees American Airlines 45 percent of its employees and Southwest just announced that they may have their first layoffs in the history of the airline so there's a lot of things with this if you think about we've got two aspects it's your and my behavior, and it's something I mentioned just a few minutes ago, is that you've got all the things going on with government saying this is open, this is closed, and all that, but the bigger picture is the individual decisions that we make about what feels safe and what we're willing to do. Travel, except for business travel, is something people do as an escape for joy, and if people look at it with uh, dread and fear, they're not going to do it. Uh, My oldest brother and his wife are driving across the country to Utah right now. As I'm speaking, they're driving through the state of Kansas. And the planning they did to drive instead of fly because they were not comfortable flying. And then trying to figure out every hotel that they would stay at over the nights traveling across the country with spreadsheets that they did excel spreadsheets trying to figure out what the sanitation standards are at this hotel or that hotel trying to drill down to individual locations how many miles they would get that day if they went to that particular spot and it them to change some of their routing to get to hotels they felt safe I mean you think about the psychology about what this means for this important sector of the economy coming back to life and the reality is we're not going to see a true recovery in travel till probably 2022 or 2023 it's and travel will return like it used to be and there'll be pent-up demand with people who can afford it to take trips near and far but it will be a good while till that confidence returns and so for the US economy it is a roadblock to true economic recovery when you have a significant sector of the economy where People aren't going to go in prior numbers, and that leads to lower economic activity. So we've got a significant series of hurdles to really get it moving again, truly economically in the United States. This is not the worst of times, but obviously we're far from the best of times, but we're going to get there. It's time for your questions that you pose for me at clark.com slash ask. And who's up now?
2: Clark, I am. And Leslie in Illinois has a question. She says, you recently expressed uh, how you felt and you said that it was important for kids to get back into school. Have you thought about the financial and health toll on our teachers when they end up getting affected if this were to happen?
0: (sighs) This is so hard with the schools because what's really good for the uh, development and growth and education and socialization of our children is a real life, health, and economic risk to the teachers and administrators of the schools and school districts around the country and uh, public schools, private schools, religious schools, all of them. This is one of the toughest things for us to figure out as a country so no i do not belittle at all the risk to teachers and administrators and this is the reason i've been so strong about requiring that kids must wear masks um, without exception in schools in order not so much to protect kids from each other but to protect the faculty staff and administrators from the students that generally will not have significant health harm from coronavirus but could potentially infect and kill teachers administrators staff and so I I don't take any of that lightly and your point is well taken Kim?
1: Lisa in Colorado says, our mortgage payment increased because of a change in the escrow portion. My husband missed the notification and just paid the usual amount for two months. I then caught the error. We paid the difference, but the credit bureaus were already notified and my score dropped by 100 points. We've contacted our mortgage servicer and are waiting for them to get back to us, but we're hoping that we can somehow resolve this. We are hoping to refi, do a cash out refi and do some home projects, but the score now has dropped, as she said, 100 points.
0: All right, so here's the strategy for dealing with that. Dispute the... um the short pays that you were listed with by the mortgage servicer for those two months with all three credit bureaus. Immediately apply for a mortgage with whoever you want to do the refi with. What happens is while your dispute is in play with the credit bureaus, those items basically are temporarily in timeout. At least that's how the process is supposed to work. You, If you're able to expedite your mortgage refi, you may be able to get it uh, underwritten and done before your dispute would ever be finished. In addition, file a complaint against your mortgage servicer with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. When you make a clerical error like that where you in good faith made your mortgage payment as you normally do, the mortgage servicer reporting you as delinquent is beyond unacceptable again the payments were made on your mortgage as your husband knew them to be it's not like he didn't make those payments the short payment would not have been a substantial amount of money and that is just mean on the part of the servicer so please let me know if those steps are of service if they're not maybe we'll have other suggestions for you Joel
2: Clark Bryan in South Carolina says, I initiated a transfer between two of my linked bank accounts on July 1st. The money was debited from account A on July 2nd, but did not show up in account B until July 6th. Yes, it was a holiday weekend. I get that. But where was my money for those four days? Was someone else collecting interest on it? Inquiring minds want to know why these transfers take so long.
0: Yeah. And we are the only developed country in the world where transfers take that long and so the answer to your question is uh, institution I'm not sure if A or B was getting ill-gotten gains in overnight earnings on your money um, it makes no sense that when you do a transfer that there are the delays that we have in the United States and there are vested interests in the banking world that have kept our technology working in a completely different way than it does in any other developed country. And ironically enough, many third world countries have much more efficient money transfer mechanisms than we do in the United States. So it is absolutely unacceptable what happened to you. But, you know, we have a culture in the United States where decisions are made based on the power of big corporations instead of the right way for things to be done. Kim?
1: Reginald in North Carolina says, hi Clark, I deferred paying my 2019 federal taxes in order to earn interest in an online savings account. Now, July 15th is tomorrow and I don't know what to do. I've been able to confirm that the IRS received my e-filed return, but when I attempt to pay online, they say that they can't verify my identity. What do I do? I know mail I- a
0: check right away.
1: All right. Well, here's his follow-up. If I mail a check, that means that I have to keep almost five thousand dollars in an account for months, waiting for them to find it in a mountain of mail. How do I know they'll even actually get it and attach it to my return?
0: You. I mean, the IRS is backed up. I think hundred and fifty million pieces of mail. But you need to just mail it in, uh, make sure you get a postmark on tax day, and then you're going to be A-OK because you paid as you should. You'll continue to earn interest on the money while you wait for the IRS to actually process your check. Make sure you mail it to the right address that the IRS wants you to send that check with the payment of funds you owe. And there's a transmittal slip you should print out that you send with the money. So that's the best advice I can give you in a very weird tax year.
5: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tracy's
0: with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Tracy. How are you doing? I am great. How are you, Clark? Wonderful. Thank you. So, Tracy, you've got a lot of things going on all at once, don't you? Yes, I do. Well, let's see if I can be of service to you.
4: Okay, my house needs uh, some work and remodeling, which I'm definitely planning on doing that. And I was possibly thinking about I'm getting older and buying my last car, but I never buy new. I definitely buy used. I want it to be under a certain price. And but I was wondering if I could, if I just went and got like a home equity loan or a personal loan with that to combine. Um, my home and my car instead of having two separate loans
0: well that's a very interesting question throw out the personal loan because personal loans generally are not a deal but even though you have to make two payments it's actually a better idea for you to do one loan for the vehicle and another for the remodel that's exactly
4: what i needed to know
0: and let me tell you why so vehicle okay. loans tend to be um, pretty affordable, and you pay them off on generally a shorter-term schedule. Like, how expensive a vehicle are you thinking of getting? Less than $10,000. Great. So if you're going to buy in that price range, how much down payment are you going to make? I'm looking at about 2000 Perfect. Ideal. Are you a member of a credit union yet? No want you to join a credit union cuz potentially they're going to be the source for both of the loans you want at a much lower rate on each than you would get from a bank
4: with my house being paid for would that help me get a better interest rate or does or no well
0: that's a that's a great question because the loan you're going to get for the remodel the lender would then be in first position and how much money do you think you're going to spend on that remodel? Probably twenty thousand or less. Okay, so with that, you would pay that off in five years. So Maybe let's three, talk three
4: and a half years.
0: Okay, then you're a perfect candidate for a five-year home equity loan. That's a product that credit again going back to credit unions. Credit unions. Right a lot of banks really don't have interest in that and so you're no risk to the lender because there's no existing mortgage they're not in second position right. and a five-year home equity loan today carries a extremely low interest rate not like the mortgage refis but there's very few fees with them and you could pay it off quicker if you wanted to than the five years yeah, but it's Okay, there's fixed, no
4: penalty for paying it off yet.
0: Nope, and it's a fixed rate where if you do the home equity line of credit, that's a floating rate. So the, oh, okay. The so the rates over time. Rate. Right, so that's why you would do the home equity loan instead of the home equity line of credit. Your credit score good?
4: It's fair. I'm fair. working on
0: it. Okay.
4: It's so, almost good. It's just before being good.
0: All right. Well, the, the credit union loan officer will be straight out with you on that and what, good. what your credit score is doing to you in terms of what rate you can borrow at for the home equity loan and what rate for the, the car. And okay. you'll be able to come to a good decision with that.
4: All right. Well, thank you, Clark. I appreciate it so much. That uh,
0: Very helpful. Well, best to you going forward, and I hope the renovation goes well. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show.